We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, senior editor here at SportingNews.com, alongside our lead college football writer, Bill Bender, at SportingNews.com. And, Bill, it's the uh, middle of March madness, but we're going to talk some football. We're going to talk some realignment today. Yeah, it's it, the, it's March madness, obviously, but the realignment wheels never stop. I told somebody earlier this week, just when you think it's over, it kicks up again. And and obviously there are two conferences that have been talked about in the last couple of weeks and we'll get into that. Yeah. Let's start with, uh, you know, it's funny. I've heard the expression, uh, uh, the end of realignment. It's the latest round of, of realignment. It's not, it's never going to be the last round of realignment um, as we go through this. So uh, the athletic was discussing uh, this week that next week, the PAC 12 presidents are scheduled to meet with Pac-12 Commissioner George Klavikoff, uh, and presumably we'll hear uh, what he has negotiated for the uh, much-awaited, much-anticipated uh, TV rights and the media deal that they have got going on with uh, TBD, some ESPN, some uh, Apple maybe, Amazon maybe. We, we don't know the numbers and all that kind of thing, but presumably soon that will finally become public. Uh, it's been under negotiation for six months, nine months, and has kind of been viewed as a pivot point to this latest round of realignment in terms of, um, you know, if the money meets with the Big 12 negotiated a few months ago, things may stay put for a little while. If it's far short, if it's disappointing, we could see some chaos. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and, um, you know, obviously with the Pac-12, I, I think, they're in a dangerous spot. I, I mean, these are two conferences, the Pac-12 that and the Big 12, that have lost their two biggest brands. And, and I know I talk a lot about the Big Ten on here. I, I can't envision a world where the Big Ten loses Michigan and Ohio State, for example, and then tries to survive. And I think the Big 12 has probably taken better steps. I mean, in terms of survival and I think part of them might not mind Oklahoma and Texas being out in some ways and then if you look at the basketball on top of it and we're going to talk basketball later I just think the Big 12's in better pool position here than than the Pac-12 is depending on what this meeting says next week now the last report I read said these 10 Pac-12 schools are going to stick together but I I never believe those because it, it only takes one school to do what's best for them Exactly, exactly. What we do know is that the Pac-12 has been talking, well, literally we saw them talking to SMU in a public spot at uh, that basketball game uh, a few weeks ago with the commissioner visiting with the SMU athletic director. Uh, and they also, you know, it doesn't take much to connect the dots to figure out that they're going to look at San Diego State as well uh, with USC and UCLA gone to the Big Ten that opens up the, the Southern California market. San Diego State is really the only logical choice for them to look at. Uh, San Diego State has, you know, performed well in football and basketball. They're a five seed this week, as a matter of fact. Um, and they have uh, unveiled a new football stadium last year. Uh, so they are trying to um, they're trying to do their best to get into the Pac-12. And the Pac-12, certainly it makes sense for them to look at San Diego State to if they want to get back to 12 teams, um, it appears it, it, they're looking at San Diego State and SMU. What are the pros and cons of each of those schools uh, for the Pac-12? Well, I mean, San Diego State, you know, I looked look this up. They Since the playoff era, I mean, based a lot of things based off since the playoff started, they're 79 and 36. That's really successful. That's a right on par with Utah-type record in the Mountain West. They've put together good teams. They've had uh, – you know, some success under Brady Hoke. They put players in the NFL. It puts the Pac-12 in California. Now San Diego State versus UCLA and USC. It's a big drop-off, obviously. So SMU is the one that's interesting to me because, I I mean, obvious, the obvious answer, Bill, would be it's Dallas. It's the Dallas market. But is the Dallas market focused on SMU football? <laughs> Probably not. I SMU would have always been a bit better fit in the Big Twelve for me. So, you know, it's it's definitely 
I, I see the allure of both. I see trying to survive in that way. But the more I look at those schools, and we're going to talk about a couple more, um, it feels like the old whack. That's what that conference will feel like. It'll feel like the old watching, not the, the whack that we watched in basketball last week, but the, the old 11 o'clock whack that had to fight for respect with the other conferences. And some of those schools are actually, ironically, on the Power 5 stage now that used to play in that conference. Now, SMU, of course, is in the heart of Big 12 country, right? They are surrounded by all Big 12 schools. Would the Big 12 go after SMU? They've had the chance in the past. They haven't done it. Uh, they just added four schools. Uh, they took Houston. They did not take SMU. Um, so I don't know where that leaves them. If SMU does not want to be part of the Pac-12 or things break down there, uh, is Boise State an option? Is UNLV an option for the Pac-12? Well, I, I get, again, UNLV with Las Vegas being a kind of place of operation that the Pac-12 has definitely, you know, looked into. Um, from a football standpoint, they don't offer much, though. Um, Bo- Boise State would be the unicorn. I, I think one of the things there is there's not a lot of potential growth for Boise State, the fan base. It's already there. It's already established. The stadium's probably not going to get bigger. But to me, the they I said unicorn in the sense that they're basically the Gonzaga of college football, you know, steady. They, they, I mean, they've threatened to win. They should have been in a national championship game in the BCS era. They've had enough success. Now that's tapered off a little bit since Chris Peterson left, but obviously, you know, I just mentioned San Diego state's record. You look at Boise state 86 and 28 since the playoff era started, that is the sixth best overall record in the FBS. So, yeah, they, they could definitely have success in that conference. And they would be, if we're keeping with the old WAC comparison, they, they would be the, the old version of B, what BYU was in that conference, that you still know who they are, you still pay attention to them because they win a lot of football games. And presumably, with you know the added money, the added exposure, the recruiting is going to improve. You know, Boise State's made a living off diamonds in the rough kind of thing. They may not have, they may get diamonds that aren't in the rough. Uh, if they get into the Pac-12, continue to have a little more success. You're right, the fan base, I mean, everybody knows who they are. They've got a brand. The fan base is what it is. You know, Idaho is a tiny, tiny state, tiny city, and they're not going to, you know, all of a sudden build an 80,000-seat stadium. But the recruiting could step up with the right coach, and I think they could be a factor in that league. Yeah, and and again, it kind of circles back to, you know, we talked a lot about TCU last season, and TCU's in that Fort Worth market. And again, the, the Dallas market isn't transfixed on TCU, but that didn't mean that it couldn't happen. You know, TCU's taken what they, you know, and, and we'll talk a little bit about more of them in a minute too, but they basically followed this path through five conferences to get to the Big 12. And that Big 12 exposure made this national championship run possible. And their recruiting isn't, you know, you don't look at TCU and you're like, oh, they're flush with five stars, but they have NFL talent. They TCU and Boise State were the peak BCS busters. And, and Boise State's kind of gotten left out, whereas Utah and uh, TCU got to move up. And I, th- I think Boise State has earned that right to move up. Yeah, and TCU has been the solid. I mean, if when I was, was told, you know, recruiting wasn't the issue under um, Gary Patterson towards the end. They just, he just wasn't doing anything with the recruits, but they were a solid third, fourth behind Texas and Oklahoma a lot in the big 12. And then Sonny Dykes got there and obviously took them to the next level, but there was definitely talent. You don't do what Sonny Dykes do without 
a, you know, a solid base of talent already in place. So yeah, you're right. TCU, not a ton of five stars, but they did have some, some good, um, some good talent to work with uh, when Sonny Dykes arrived. So yeah, the big 12, speaking of the big 12, you know, they're not necessarily done. Brett, your mark, you know, he got his media deal done. He got his expansion done. He, he quickly replaced uh, or he added four schools. Um, so they will be at 12 next year with the departure of Texas and Oklahoma. He, of course, negotiated that to get Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC a year early, got some money out of that for the Big 12. Um, he has said he wants to be in all four time zones. He's made no, no, uh, he's publicly said that. And, uh, you know, with BYU coming in, now they're in the Mountain West. Of course, West Virginia, they're in the East. Most of the teams are in the Central time zone. That leaves the West. What's he talking about? Well, um, again, the athletic folks were discussing uh, that the two schools in the Pac-12 that have been uh, most favorable to your Mark's advances so so far. You hear about the corner four. It's really just two of those four. Arizona and Colorado um, have been, uh, you know, listening, I guess it would be the best way to say. Uh, of course, they want to see what the new deal is with uh, the, the Pac-12 media rights deal before anything gets settled. But Arizona, uh, if you look at them, uh, they're a you know basketball first school, maybe not first, but definitely more successful in basketball. Uh, the Big 12 has clearly taken a step as the number one basketball league in the country. Plus they're adding SM, uh, sorry, Houston, which is the number one seed this week, could win the national championship. Uh, they're coming into the best conference in the league. So that would be a good fit basketball-wise for Arizona. And then you look at Colorado and, you know, their football success in the Pac-12 has almost been non-existent. Their glory days were in the Big 12. Uh, Deion Sanders, breath of fresh air. Maybe they're looking for a fresh start everywhere else and get back to the Big 12 uh, and kind of erase the Pac-12 from their their identity. I don't know. If, you, if you're in Colorado shoes or Arizona shoes, and let's say the money is fairly similar uh, once this Pac-12 media rights deal is announced, uh, what's attractive to you about the Big 12? Well, Arizona, you, you said it, the basketball side of it. You know, from a football standpoint, Arizona is who they are. They've made a couple runs. They've been on the cover of Sports Illustrated in my lifetime as a number one team. Now, that was a long time ago with Teddy Bruschi, but um, I think from the basketball side, it makes sense because I watched the Pac-12 championship game the other night. You know, everybody tweets as quick aside. I, I actually enjoy listening to Bill Walton. I know I'm in the minority there, but he just makes it fun. I'm, I'm sorry. He makes it fun to watch. And um, But Arizona is always the backseat to UCLA. They've won the game, and people were talking more about UCLA after the game. So I think Arizona – you put their basketball brand in a conference that already has Kansas and Texas. Well, not Texas, Kansas and um, TCU and all these teams that are in the tournament and you throw Arizona on top of it. I mean, you're looking at the nation's best basketball conference. Like you said, Cincinnati and Houston are coming in. And if Brett Yormark, I mean, I know this is a football podcast, but if, if I'm him, that's what I'm doing. My counter move is to create the nation's best coast-to-coast basketball conference and market the you-know-what out of that. And uh, I think they can do that. Um, so we got to talk about Colorado. They're, they're definitely listening because it gets more eyeballs on Dion. At 35 spring games are going to be televised by ESPN this year. Colorado is one of them now. And he <laughs> hasn't even coached a game. You know That'll be on March 22nd. I am anxious, Bill, to see what those TV numbers look like in the middle of April when we're really not doing, I don't know what's on the calendar 
I'm sorry, March 22nd. My bad. Um, but um, yeah, people are going to watch that, I think. And people are going to be fascinated with Dion. And I think Colorado has been there, done that in the Big 12. And now that Oklahoma and Texas are gone, you know, they can get some attention and more. I think it's a long-winded way of saying I think there will be more eyeballs on Colorado football in the Big 12 than there will in the Pac-12. And I know that, yeah, and I think they could have more success with that. And the longer Dion say, stays, the better. Yeah, I think. And and you, Mark, he did an interview with the the, the Wilner and Canzano podcast. They they cover the heck out of the Pac-12. Those two guys, just great, great podcast, great job by both of those guys. Um, they had uh, your Mark on about a month ago, and he talked about, you know how important basketball is. He feels like it's undervalued. And of course he's going to say that because they have the best basketball league in the country. But I also in his hands, I can see him breaking the the big 12 basketball off into a separate media deal to kind of generate more revenue. And so it's not just football based that he can find value for these schools with their basketball programs. And then what's the next step after that? Does Gonzaga take a look at the big 12 if all of a sudden this is <laughs> truly the premier comedy the sec of of college basketball uh it becomes um the big 12 and gonzaga's you know hanging out in the west coast conference and mark few retires maybe they look at at the big 12 as well so yeah i think, I think bill bill i think it's like the new big east right in terms of basketball when i as somebody that didn't have a attachment to the big east i still watched big east basketball and i watch mm-hmm. a lot of big 12 basketball not just because it's my job to help break it down but it's fun of all those conference tournaments this weekend that i watched and i watched a lot believe me um <laughs> the big 12 seemed to have the best atmosphere the best games you know texas wins the end but i was sitting there just the Iowa State Kansas game was so intense and it was a conference tournament game and that's normally been the acc and that's normally been other conferences. It used to be the Big East. Now, you throw Gonzaga on top of that. I didn't even think about that. I forgot about that. That I'm just like doing the math of how many good tournament teams. You, you'd almost have to break that into two divisions of awesome basketball. And as a guy that loves that sport, too, I think it'd be amazing. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, he's made no, no secret about trying to market it. And, uh, you know, the Big 12, the, they did that fun thing. I don't know if you saw about the food choices. And they had uh, Shaq DJing at the Big 12 uh, basketball tournament and, and some other, uh, you know, off-the-court events that made it really fun. But, you know, they had uh, – I, I saw the list, but it was like basically every school had their own concessions, uh, special type of, uh, of meal, like, you know, the barbecue and the brisket and, you know, ice cream floats and whatever that they were labeled to each team. So, yeah, they really are um, – you know, trying to market themselves and separate themselves. They've been uh, doing a really good job. They have a lot of momentum right now. And, uh, you know, the Pac-12, especially with this media rights deal that's dragged on and on and on, it just seems like they're, they're, they're you know, swimming upstream right now, so to speak. So um, I was thinking one last question for you about realignment and everything. Can you think of some schools where realignment has actually worked for the school? You know, we can think of examples where it didn't really work. Nebraska hasn't worked. Miami hasn't really worked. Syracuse did not work from the Big East to the ACC. Um, you know, you could say Utah and TCU have done well uh, moving up in conference. But from a Power 5 to a Power 5, can you think of a team that, that, that really, you know, thrived with a realignment? 
No, not really. And you mentioned, so like Utah and TCU, I, separate cases, like you said, because they, they leveled up essentially. They took all that success. They survived. That's the thing. That's, yeah. You can, you can, not everybody has leveled up and survived either, you know. Right. And, and Utah and TCU took what they did on the football field in the BCS era. And they've, you know, Utah had some rough years in the Pac-12, but they're gone now. And TCU, they would be easy to forget about from the national level if they go five and eight next year, five and seven. I hope that doesn't happen because we love Sonny at Sporting News. He's been very good to us, had a great conversation with him a couple weeks ago. And I like rooting for good guys, and he's one of them. So, But to your question, Nebraska hasn't worked at all. I mean, I talk with Nebraska guys about this all the time. Uh, fans and, and guys that cover the sport, they, there's still an identity crisis there. You know, they came to the Big Ten. You know, they're not treated like Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State. In Penn State, it took 30 years. Penn State's one where it worked, but they that's not what we're talking about. They've been in the Big Ten for 30 years. Um, and Miami and Florida State didn't work as it was intended because their football teams haven't been good at the same time. Miami hasn't won an ACC championship, Bill. That's the most stunning stat of realignment to me. A program that I grew up with that won 55 or 58 straight home games, whatever it is, has not won an ACC championship. They were going to dominate the ACC. They were going to absolutely dominate it. It has not happened. (laughs) I would argue on some level it's worked out for Missouri a little bit because they've been to a couple SEC championship games. Their basketball team still functions. They're in the tournament this week, but not – you know, nobody looks at Missouri and be like, oh, yeah, the SEC East runs through Columbia, despite all the Mizzou grads we work with at Sporting News. They're not going to appreciate <laughs> that. But um, um, no, I mean, when you move laterally power five to power five, and that's what's going to make Texas and Oklahoma so interesting and UCLA and USC so interesting, because to me, I mean, there's it's the catch 22. And, you know, I've talked about this. Part of me likes it and gets excited about the potential for matchups. But part of me knows that it's it's still tearing at the soul of college football, which is regional rivalries. Um, you know, I mean, like how, how amped are people going to be for USC Maryland? Probably not very amped for that football game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to Trochi Trivia. Then we'll get into some hoops talk. Uh, Trochi Trivia. There have been four schools that have joined the SEC starting way back in 1992 in uh, South Carolina, Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Missouri. Uh, what is the record of those four schools in the SEC championship game? Think on that for a few minutes, and we will revisit at the end of the show to see if Bill Bender can tell me the record of the four SEC expansion teams in the SEC football championship game. He's pondering. He's not sure. I think I can get close. He usually gets these. Uh, We'll see if I can stump him with one level of detail up and see if he can get it. So um, Columbus, Ohio, the mecca of college football, spring practice underway. But wait, March Madness is coming to your fair city. 
this weekend, and you will be there covering it for SportingNews.com. It's going to be a lot of fun. On Friday, you got four games uh, at the uh, arena. Was it Nationwide Arena? Yeah, nationwide Arena. Important distinction. Yes, Nationwide is where the Blue Jackets play, and that's and they do. I I will say this really quickly. They they always do a fantastic job. Um, the Ohio State guys that help with that. Uh, Dan Wallenberg, Jerry Emig, they're they're amazing. So I, I'm going to be treated well. I'm excited about it. Yeah, you should be. You got Michigan State and USC, the first game on Friday, followed by Vermont Marquette. And then in the afternoon or evening session, you will have uh, Purdue and the winner of the, the Wednesday playing game between Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dickinson, and then Florida Atlantic and Memphis. So you've got media availability on Thursday, some fun storylines. You've got Zach Eady from Purdue, the Sporting News Player of the Year. You've got Tom Izzo uh, looking for his ninth Final Four run. Not sure if he can do it from the seventh seed, but we'll see. Penny Hardaway in his fifth year at Memphis, uh, second tournament. He went last year as a nine seed. This year he's an eight seed. Uh, one one is opening. One is eight nine game last year. Uh, we'll see what happens this year. Uh, what are what are the storylines you're looking for on Thursday, and then uh, what do you expect to see Friday? Yeah, I mean it's 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 exciting. I, I'm very excited to be there. Uh, like I said, you know Michigan State. I would start with them. Uh, Tom Izzo. The last seven tournaments, they've only got to the second weekend one time. And hmm. I'm not saying we have anything or any evidence that he's headed towards retirement. He said as much. He's not even thinking about that. But, you know, you've seen Bayheim abruptly retire. You've seen Jay Wright step away from the game. I don't know I how abruptly Bayheim was. <laughs> I mean, abruptly in the press conference, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it, we saw that coming. Um, so I looked at this last night. I stumped my buddies with it. This is a June, This is a Trochi trivia sidebar. So Uh-oh. Tom Izzo has 685 wins. There, where do you think that ranks among active coaches? Like, give me a ballpark guess. I'd say top three. It's 11th. 11th, which was stunning to me. There's three guys over 800, and and DeCourcy knows this more than anybody, but so Huggins, Cal, and Patino are over 800. When I looked it up, I was like, why doesn't he have more wins? But the catch is he's done it in less than 30 seasons, which is pretty amazing. So, I mean, that's like bringing it back. Like, he's inching towards 700. They didn't mm-hmm. look good in the Big Ten tournament. They haven't looked good this year in general. I mean, the Iowa collapse is still fresh in mind. So I think there's some level of pressure on the Spartans to break through. And if they lose that game to USC, you're going to start to see what you see in March is some clips of him on Twitter. I will say this, though, and I, this is a total sidebar. When they post the pictures of him yelling at players, it drives me crazy. It's been his style for 30 years. You've heard just about every notable Spartan in the last 30 years say that's the way we like it. But people on social media doesn't like it. That's like people that don't like getting yelled at by a coach. When Draymond Green and Malik Henry and just about every player he's had goes to to the NBA says that's our style. And I love that coaching style because he yells at the players. He al- allows them to yell back. It's He's not a tyrant. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. So that's my quick Tom Izzo soapbox. Um, Marquette, want to see them. It's going to be fun. Um, Purdue and Zach Eady, I, I think the most excited I am to do something this weekend is to be courtside and see a 7-5 dude do some work. No doubt. No doubt. And you were talking to me about Memphis last night, so maybe you tell me what you think about Memphis first. 
Well, like I said, you know, this is one of, I don't know that this, it's definitely not his most talented team, but it's his highest seed. You know, he had a nine seed last year, an eight seed this year. It's the only two tournaments he's made. Um, they won the AAC championship. They beat Houston in the championship game. Uh, a lot of people feel like they're, you know, they could be a sweet 16 type of team. Um, and, you know, if you knock off the number one seed, right, then you are all of a sudden in the driver's seat a little bit for the for the rest of the region. So, um, you know, I don't necessarily see them getting to the final four, but it's good to see Penny, uh, you know, earning his coaching chops a little bit. Uh, he, you know, he talked a big game when he first got there. He got all the big recruits, but it took him four years to get to the tournament. But I think this this season, his fifth season, his second tournament kind of validated that, yeah, he, he can coach as well. Yeah, and, um, you know, obviously the, the thing with Penny is – when I was in seventh and eighth grade, and I always, this is my, a lot of ways, my favorite week of the year, last week and this week, because I love March Madness. I love playing basketball when I was in junior high and high school. And Penny Hardaway was like the coolest player between college and the NBA for like a three-year stretch. I mean, you remember the commercials and playing with Shaq, but his Memphis State teams were amazing. And uh, well, you joked about that with my story last week, but yeah, that's how I always remember them. Memphis State with the white jerseys and the way that he played the game and they they're tough. I mean, they, they've got a really good point guard. They get up and down. They have a style that's going to be very interesting to play. Um, they're playing a pretty good Florida Atlantic team t- though. One that won 31 games. And we put that as one of our sporting news stories this week when a team that isn't from a major conference comes into the tournament with 30 plus wins. There's been 12 since 2016. They're 10 and two. So, like, two in the first round, right? In the first round. Now, only one got through to the Sweet 16. But, I mean, like, if I'm Duke, that's – I don't know. I'm, I'm re- you better be ready. Oral Roberts can play. And Charleston can play. And, you know, Florida Atlantic, for all this talk about Penny, what I'm worried about is, like, Florida Atlantic comes in and beats them. And then then what are we talking about? So, you know, very good storylines. Always good to have Big Ten presence in Columbus, too. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, the biggest story is Purdue. Hasn't been to the Final Four since 1980. I was explaining Glenn Robinson to my son over the weekend because we were talking about Edie. I was like, no, nah, dude, he's, you didn't watch Glenn Robinson play. And uh, they didn't make the Final Four. So I know. Very, it's been since 1980 for Purdue. 1980. Probably the best school basketball-wise in the expanded bracket era that hasn't made the Final Four. The other no probably question. being Xavier. Xavier would be another one that I would argue. But Purdue is a big brand you know, basketball crazy. And, uh, you know, we'll be on top of it. We got me in Columbus. We got DeCourcy. Where's he at? Greensboro. You got him going there. Yep. And we decided that that's in South Carolina too. That's the one he's going to, or is it North Carolina? North Carolina. North Carolina. I think they have one in South Carolina. Greenville. That's Greenville. Okay. Yeah. That's the one. Greenville is in South Carolina. They're hosting a women's tournament in the first two rounds. I think uh, he's been there before. So yeah, we, we you're killing it. You're editing all our stuff. It's been a it's been a wild week, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, can't wait. And uh, for, uh, there'll be some Big Ten talk with Michigan State playing USC in Columbus. So we got lots of Big Ten talk right there. <laughs> yeah, a Big Ten matchup right off the go. Big Ten matchup in Columbus. So there you go. Um, so yeah, enjoy that. Sportingnews.com. We will have you covered. Um, and before we get out of here, Trochi trivia answer. Do you have an answer for me, though? The, what is the record of the four SEC, quote-unquote, newbies? Because it's been uh, almost 30 years. But uh, the, the, the South Carolina, Missouri, 
Arkansas and Texas A&M. What is their co- combined record in SEC football championship games? I think it's 0-6. Ooh, close. 0-5? Oh, 0-5. And oh, and <laughs> so so let me now let me sketch it out. Now I, I now missed it us. by one. I know, I know what it is now. I was so South Carolina lost to Auburn. Yes. Missouri lost bad. I know Missouri because I sat next to Matt Latowski, our fantasy source expert expert at SN and a Mizzou grad. They got drilled by Alabama and Auburn. Correct, I think. And then they Arkansas. Lost back-to-back years. They lost yeah, back to back years. Yeah. They lost back to back years because they had some good teams. And then Arkansas lost to Tennessee and Florida. They lost to Urban Meyer, Florida. Yes. So 0 and 5. South Carolina didn't get there twice. So that's, that was the only thing I was like, did Spurrier get them there twice or just the one time? And I was doing it in my head and I couldn't add it up. So <laughs> I get like half credit. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, enjoy Columbus. Uh, Thank everybody for listening. We will be back next week. We'll talk more college football. We'll see if the Pac-12 does have a new media rights deal. Uh, We will look some more spring practices as they get uh, underway the rest of the way across the country. Got some quarterback battles to keep track of. And uh, we'll start to get into some fun off-season content, content, some some top 25 coaches lists probably a month away or so. So we got all kinds of stuff. We're going to keep you – uh, up to date on college football throughout the post uh, throughout the off season uh, for the next few months. We'll have a show a week here at CFB Nation. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, and we again thank everybody for listening. And uh, we will see you next week on the All America Podcast. Yep, yep.